Welcome to Linking the Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Akindale Akinyemi. I am the co-founder, the current president and CEO of the Global African Business Association. Many, many, many times it has been asked, Akindale, how do you think the way you think in terms of your ideology and in terms of your philosophy to empower African people globally? Well, in order for me to answer that question, you have to understand a few things about why GABA was created. Um, I consider myself a Pan-Africanist, a futuristic Pan-Africanist. My ideals um, center around futurism. And I've always been like that um, as an individual, as an educator, and as a change agent within our community. I look at uh, philosophies from Garveyism uh, of Marcus Garvey. You know, he founded the United Negro Improvement Association at the turn of the 20th century. And Marcus Garvey believed that people of color here in the United States who were being chased and harassed and killed by white nationalists and elements like the Ku Klux Klan should move back to Africa, preferably Liberia. Liberia and the United States have always had a history um, dating back to the 19th century. And so, you know, Liberia was one of the nations on the continent at that time that was not colonized by the British or the French or the Dutch. It was a free country. And so Marcus Garvey had this ideal that we should migrate to Liberia and build our freedom and build our our uh, economics, our politics, and most and most importantly, uh, establish our freedom in Liberia. But one of the key elements of Garveyism is the ideal of nation building and. When you look at the parallels of Garveyism of the early 20th century, when you look at people and research people like Booker T. Washington, who had an ideal of black people shouldn't beg for the crumbs that fall from the table, but black people should build the table and own and operate the table that they sit at. And you look at the parallels between Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, who at that time was part of the Talented 10th. He was the first uh, African-American to graduate from Harvard University. And he felt like this Talented 10th of African-Americans would lead us into the future. So when I looked, read and research these things um, with these great thinkers, these change agents, you know, we start asking ourselves, hey, what what really happened? I mean, none of the things that you're doing in GABA, Kindlay, is new. And it, it and that's some, there's some truth to that. It's not new. It's been tried before. And if you look at um, 
the 1960s with the civil rights movement. You had people focus on Martin Luther King Jr. And people forget that there was actually four leaders within the civil rights movement that gave it the engine it needed. You had Dr. King. He led the faith-based component of the civil rights movement. You had John Lewis, the late Congressman John Lewis, who led the, um, the youth movement within the civil rights movement. You had A. Philip Randolph, who led the union movement within the civil rights movement. And then you had Whitney Young, which unfortunately a lot of young adults in 2021 don't know who Whitney Young is. He was the president of the National Urban League from 1961 to 1971. Whitney's position as a social worker has has resonate, resonated with me the most. And because Whitney, unlike Dr. King, who was in the streets marching, Whitney was in the boardroom negotiating with white folks on opening the doors for black people to work in corporate America. And I've always tried to position GABA at some point as we approach our seventh anniversary. I've always wanted to position GABA to be in a position to impact and empower our community, African-American, African-Caribbean, our African diaspora community with jobs, and with career fields that will be impactful, that will lead to that will lead to um, other types of economic empowerment within the community in which we're trying to reside in, and the kind of community that we're trying to empower. So I look at Whitney Young. Whitney Young was really the catalyst behind the Great Society programs of the '60s that then-President Lyndon Baines Johnson signed off on. And so there was some, there was some um, key things in the civil rights movement. And then you look at the Black Power movement. You look at uh, brothers like um, Minister Malcolm X, who taught kind of the same ideology as Marcus Garvey and Booker T. Washington, which was do for yourself, Black man. And you don't have to beg for the crumbs that fall from the table. And that's very true. You don't have to beg for the crumbs that fall from the table. We should be in a position of self-empowerment. You had groups like the Black Panther Party after Minister Malcolm was murdered in 1965. You had organizations like the Black Panther Party for self-defense that took off in 1966 in Oakland, California. And they were against police brutality and they were and they were and they, too, were for um, empowerment. Now, this was not now these groups were not cap capitalist or anything like that. You know, they kind of lean towards the socialist side of, of their ideology. But at the same token, they protected the community armed. They started free breakfast programs, which you see today in schools. The Black Panther Party for Self-Defense started that back in the late 60s. You had the Black Power Movement, where you had Stokely Carmichael, 
once again talking about the need for a free African diaspora from a Pan-African perspective, linking the wealth between the United States and Africa and the, and the Caribbean. You had folks, you had the black um, arts movement going on with Amiri Baraka uh, and Haki Matabudi. You had Amiri Baraka, his son, Raz Baraka, is the uh, current mayor of the city of Newark, New Jersey. Um, you had, um, so you had the black arts movement, well, um, August Wilson and people like that. You had the black uh, theology movement with James Cone and, and uh, Albert B. Clegg Jr., also known as Jeremoji uh, Abebe Ajiman of the Shrine of the Black Madonna of the Pan-African Orthodox Christian Church, where in 1967 in Detroit, Michigan, he revealed the picture of a black Madonna and a black Jesus right there on Linwood and the Boulevard. That church still stands today. But you had this type of movement where we were moving away from acceptance of white inferiority into blackness carried us into the 70s. So things that I do in GABA is not new other than other than um, fusing it with technology and now giving a vision of what the future should look like with the African diaspora. You understand that? So these, and so in order for you to really understand the Global African Business Association, you have to understand what Garveyism is. You have to understand what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did in terms of self-preservation. He too was influenced by Garveyism. Malcolm X was influenced by Elijah Muhammad, which traces back to Garveyism. You had the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, who was influenced by Dr. Um, by Minister Malcolm, that goes back to Garveyism. You had um, these elements of of stressing the need for education. These these folks coming out of the silent generation, right? Uh, like Dr. King and all these wonderful folks that led the civil rights movement. Well, they were partly influenced by Du Bois, even though Du Bois, and I know King was influenced uh, by Gandhi using in terms of his technique of nonviolence. Even though Du Bois, we have to say that Du Bois became a Pan-Africanist um, in the later years of his life. He went as far as even apologizing to Booker T. Washington um, for making derogatory comments. Uh, towards him at the turn of the 20th century, you had um, you had all these other Pan-Africans, Martin Delaney. You had all these folks. And even in the 70s, when you look at the late 60s and early 70s, during that black power movement, you had um, black people coming into being in terms of in terms of uh, understanding the struggle. You had folks like Dr. Ben. You had people like Haki Matabudi. You had folks um, like Chancellor Williams, you had all these wonderful uh, um, scholars, Naeem Akbar and um, um, Obati Shaka. You had all these scholars coming out of the blueprint of the Black Power Movement, pushing for Black studies. And this is the reason why it's important in the 21st century, in 2021, to understand the importance of of black studies and understanding the importance of your black history. You see, if you don't understand your history, 
not just from an African-American perspective, but from an Africology perspective. And Africology is the study of both African-American and African studies. If you don't understand that from that perspective, you don't understand the history of where black people have struggled, black people have strived, and black people have made achievements in the 20 in, in the 20th century, is no way in the world you're gonna really fully understand what we're trying to do in GABA in the 21st century. Because you have to understand the history of where we're going in order to, to in order to understand the future of our, our commitment to our community, our global community. See, when I talk to folks about people like Joe Biden, I said before the elections, our focus is to get rid of Donald Trump. I said very publicly that Joe Biden cannot take you to the future as the president, as the next president of the United States. Joe Biden is from the silent generation. He can't take you to the future. Most people from the silent generation, now you talking about people like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, Joe Biden, these people, what they are here for is a very limited time to set the framework for the next generation to move into the future. That's what Joe Biden is here for. Joe Biden is not here to um, um, move America into the 21st century. He's not here to take you to the 22nd century. He's not here to get you beyond 2030. What he is here to do today is to set up the mechanism and the framework for us to take and build upon the rest of this decade the way we see fit within the confines of our community. That's what that's what he's here for. That's what all of them, those silent generation, all of them are here for. So the millennials and the Gen Zs of our generation, of our time, you take the resources that's on the table that Biden is providing and you move to the next step. That's what we're here. That's what that's what he's here for. So that's why you hear Joe Biden saying we got to get back in the Paris Accord and we got to uh, um, reverse the immigration ban on Muslim countries. And he has what he's doing. His job for the next four for the next three years is to correct all the wrongdoings of the baby boomer Donald Trump. That's what he's here for. And because Donald Trump ideology, which was fueled by white nationalism, white supremacy, Donald Trump, when he talked about making America great, he was talking about taking America back to the 40s and 50s. And that's the reason why you had 73 million people come out and support him because those 73 million people wanted to take America back to an, to an era of isolation, take it back to an era where other races of people didn't have to touch white folks and take it back to an era of separation and segregation that was legal. That was Donald Trump's mission. Joe Biden's mission is to correct the wrong. Our mission is to take us into the 21st century based on futurism 
and based on the vision that under, to help our people understand that you too play a big role in the African diaspora, whether that's a Goa, whether that's the African continental free trade area, whether regardless of what free, what type of, what type of trade or, or, or type of agreement, this is, this is what we have to do. And we have to do it in a sense where we don't make the same mistakes twice. We can make mistakes moving forward because mistakes is not a bad thing. It's a learning curve. But repeating the same mistakes like our forefathers did and our foremothers did prior in the 50s and 60s and 70s, we cannot do that because we know better in terms of technology, our research, and understanding the history of what our people been through. Am I making myself clear to you today? The reality is the Global African Business Association is driven through futurism. So what does a what does an average black community should look like in the 21st century? Its city government should be ran on blockchain technology where you have uh, blockchain ledgers for all types of city departments. Its community should have smart connectors and smart city technology. It our schools should be an hybrid of cyber and vocational education. I've always been a proponent in education in the 21st century, whether it's higher ed or K-12, that students needed to learn the necessary um, skills to compete in the 21st century. Period, point blank. There should be a hybrid model of cyber education where children are going to school um, three days a week in the classroom. Twice, two days a week, they're learning in a cyber environment from home or from a designated uh, space within the confines of that school district. Where they're learning, where they're learning, um, um, they're doing their cyber education component. And then when those kids graduate from high school, they should have an apprenticeship. Going to college at that point should be more of a challenge and an option, not a necessity in the 21st century, because with so many jobs that are available and so many jobs that cannot be fulfilled, nursing, um, whether it's nursing or cybersecurity or, or those types of fields, we need to speed up the process of fulfilling those jobs. And if a student goes to college to receive a bachelor of science or a bachelor's or a JD degree, that's because that student had to go, had to uh, continue their education to achieve their dream job or their dream career. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to start developing a bigger vision for our educational system here in the U.S., especially in our black communities. Each house that's built in, in a black community should be a smart home or a 3D home, 3D printing home. We need to have, um, we need to understand the importance 
of e-commerce as an industry. We need to understand the importance of drop shipping as an, as an industry. We need to understand the importance of advanced manufacturing as an industry and that our children and our adults need to have skilled tech trades available for them to get a certificate within three to six months so that they can so they can fulfill their career duties and possibly lead into entrepreneurship. Our community, our cities, our city governments, not federal governments, our city governments should have a two way pipeline of import, export and trade between that between the city of that they're leading and the city and on the continent of Africa or a nation in Africa or a nation within the Caribbean, uh, within the Caribbean. We need to have those, we call them sister cities, but the sister city concept have to evolve into a two-way pipeline of economic commerce and educational impact in order to create sustainability, not just locally, but globally, if that makes sense. You see where I'm going with this? The reason I'm talking, the reason I'm saying anything, and we should be able to do things online, whether it's e-health, um, whether it's 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 um, um, e-voting, where we can vote from the comfort of our homes with blockchain technology. We should be able to um, register. We should be able to do these things, right? So that way we become we become a fabric of the 21st century. Autonomous vehicles are coming online. How many brothers and sisters are being trained to work in factories with autonomous vehicles being autonomous vehicles being built, including cybersecurity? You see where this is going? And because technology, the digital side of technology connects everyone on the planet. So we got to move away from local politics to geopolitics, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is yes, local politics would affect us here in this community may affect us over in, on, on the continent or in the Caribbean as a diaspora. That's what I mean by geopolitics and geoeconomics. E-commerce is geoeconomics. When you sit on your planning commission and you are rezoning certain key areas for advanced manufacturing, zoning key areas for an educational zone, zoning key areas for a technology zone, you're not just impacting the local community at hand, but you're eventually impacting the global community at hand as it pertains to international investors from the continent investing in your community to create a tax base, to have people work, right? People work for that company. They're creating a tax base and a job and careers, right? And in many cases, depending on if they need suppliers, he or she would create a, 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 a business to create a, a, to be a, a supplier for that particular company that's linked back to the African diaspora. You see where I'm going with this? This is not far-fetched. This is the stuff that, Doc, that Marcus Garvey of the early 20th century was talking about. Booker T. Washington, 
This is the things that um, this, these are the things like the civil rights and black power movement was talking about. This is all this is about it's, it's a steady progression. And the Global African Business Association have to understand that this you are part of this progression. With almost 60 percent of millennials that make up this organization, this association, they have enough and women almost 75% of women that make up this organization, we should be able to leapfrog a decade into the future with the type of brain trust we have here. This is important to know and it's important to understand the history of the past in depth because once you understand the history, then you begin to understand why movements why movements were so effective. Movements were effective. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about, it wasn't about, um, um, are you gonna pay me for marching? The ideology and the vision is what got people out of their seats to march, to motivate, to elevate, and to create a new reality. That's true. And if you think I'm joking, take a look at January 6, 2021. When Donald Trump at that time was president, told his followers to breach the U.S. Capitol. He didn't pay those people. Those people were driven by ideology. And they were driven by fake news and they were driven by conspiracy theories. Doesn't matter. That was a movement. Trumpism is a movement, whether you believe it or not. They're not getting paid or getting a check or anything like that. And this is what I try to teach our people. In this decade, sacrifice is needed to move the needle. I want you guys to understand that Jewish people in this country, Jewish people in this country use Israel as a reference. They may not like Netanyahu, but they use Israel as a reference. That's why you have groups like the American Israeli Public Affairs Committee, because APAC lobbies Washington and our lawmakers to spend a portion of our tax dollars to sustain uh, to sustain the economy of Israel. Israel has universal health care. There is no universal health care in the United States. Israel has nuclear weapons on your tax dollar. Israel has infrastructure on your tax dollar as an American citizen. So don't so when GABA is talking about using Africa, whether it's Ghana or Nigeria or Kenya or Sierra Leone or or Namibia or Mozambique as a reference, whether it's an Anglophone, Francophone, Portuguese nation as a reference in terms of economy, in terms of linking the wealth between these nations and our communities so that we create our global supply chain of sustainability. We should not be met with interference with people who do not have our best interests. That's why you have organizations like the Nigerian American Public Affairs Committee, NAPAC USA. That's why you have these other groups who are dedicated of making sure that Nigeria has a voice at the table politically. 
This is why the Global African Business Association exists, because we have to represent the business interests of the community so that the business interests of the community have a voice at the table while groups like the Ghana Diaspora Pack and NAPAC can handle it politically to um, handle it politically, excuse me, handle it politically, right? In terms of endorsing candidates and people like that and things of that nature. Does that make sense? Are you understanding where I'm going with this? So we have to understand that we're talking about Afrofuturism and understanding that the, the diaspora in the 21st century, we have to look at reshaping our local communities, our cities, focus more. See, prop, see, we always want to focus on the federal government to a federal government. That's why things move slow in, those respect, in, in that respective nation. We got to start looking at impacting city to city, whether that's a city here in, in the United States like Newark or Inkster, Michigan, or, or you look at a city like South Fulton, Georgia, right? Clarkston, Clarkston um, and places like that. Omaha, Nebraska. We look at those cities and how we link those cities to other cities on, in, on the continent to create a two-way pipeline. If that makes sense to you, then come visit us at GABANetwork.com, G-A-B-A-N-E-T, W-O-R-K.com, GABANetwork.com. What we're doing, if what we're doing is nothing new under the sun. If you understand Marcus Garvey, if you understand Booker T. Washington, if you understand the boy, if you understand King, if you definitely understand Whitney Young, that's important with Whitney Young. Because Whitney Young took a took his background in social work and started understanding the power of negotiation on the boardroom to create jobs for black folks, right? Opening the doors. If you understand those things, if you understand the importance of grassroots movement like the Black Panther Party for self-defense, if you understand the importance of these movements. And I know people ask me about Black Lives Matter. Black lives do matter. I've always said that. But Black Lives Matter is nothing new under the sun. But it's a necessary movement in this day and age to bring awareness to a new generation of young people understanding the power that power of racism and understanding that racism can be defeated with education and most importantly, um, the losing the engine of fear can defeat racism, period, point blank. And that's the truth. And so I want to bring this message to you that the Global African Business Association is a business education and business support network. Nothing is new under the sun other than us preparing our community for the next 25 to 30 years. That is what this president is about. And I hope you join me as well.